Live from Lisbon, this is The Twilight Show with Lucy Newberger. Good evening, everybody. You are with me, Lucy Newberger. We are live uh, and I'm ready to go. This evening, we are talking about what we've learned in the last two years and our hopes for 2022. Live from Lisbon, this is The Twilight Show with Lucy Newberger on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good evening. You are back with me, Lucy Newberger. It's Tuesday. It's one minute past six and this is going to be my last show of the year. Uh, don't panic. Not ever. Just of this year. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's oh, honestly this year has just been a bit mad, really, hasn't it? I mean, it's it's so much has happened. So much has gone on. It's hard to know really where to start uh, this evening's reflection uh, from, but we'll we'll get to that shortly. I've actually just before this show inhaled a huge slice of panettone, which I'm now deeply, deeply regretting, as it's sitting in my stomach, and I'm hoping it's not going to repeat on me in any way. Uh, so apologies in advance, but we should be fine. We should be fine. Um, I'm hoping that the fact I ate it in record time is not going to cause me any further issues, but we'll see. We'll see. For those of you that don't know, uh, and I'm sure you do, I'm sure I'm being probably quite patronising here. But for those of you that don't know, panettone is this kind of sweet, bready, cakey uh, thing, I suppose, that uh, Italians make and eat at Christmas. It's got lots of dried fruit in it. I think now you can even get, someone told me the other day, you can even get chocolate orange versions, which just for someone who loves chocolate orange in every form, uh, that was a delight to hear. So if I track one of those down, I will let you know. But yeah, very delicious. Um, and to be honest, I love, my highlight of Christmas is is Christmas food. I think I've mentioned this before. Anything, I mean, anything that I can lay my hands on food-wise is usually going to to go down well. But um, uh, the rest of it, I'm not I'm not too fussed about, and I won't I won't grinch too much through through this show. But yeah, the rest of it, I can I can take or leave. The songs, I mean, oh goodness me, my children have been rehearsing Jingle Bell Rock, and honestly, if I hear that song one more time, I think I'm going to. Uh, leap out of the nearest window because it's just oh and they I mean bless them they are trying really hard and in fairness to them they haven't had a huge amount of of rehearsal time but they all do that thing where they're trying to shout over each other they're being silly some are sitting there in silence some are mucking around at the back of the room and I'm kind of at the point where what happens happens when they perform it on Thursday afternoon in front of their parents I even got to the awful point where I, I said to them, look, it's not going to be me standing up there making a fool of myself. It's going to be you. And I heard it as I said it and I thought, no, no, Lucy, that's probably not not the thing to say to them. But hindsight is a wonderful thing, as we often learn in teaching and will probably be a theme running out this running out, running through this show this evening. <laughs> 
So before we kick off with the evening's proceedings, as always, we will look back on the week, see where we're at. So um, I think some people have actually finished the, the term already. I did see on Twitter that some lucky bananas finished on Friday. Uh, the rest of us, I don't think are that fortunate. My my last day is is Friday this week. And I think some poor souls are even carrying on till the 22nd. I definitely have uh, recollections of when I worked in the UK, certainly finishing on, on the 21st. All I can hope is that they get a, a bit more time in January. I know we go back, we go back on the 3rd, which is quite early, but actually, as I think I've already mentioned, we are online teaching the first week back in, in Portugal. So uh, more on that in a bit. But at the moment, it's just a case of trying to get everything done, really. It's trying to, to finish off little crafts that we're going to sell at the Christmas market. It's song rehearsals, as I've mentioned already. Uh, it's just little bits and pieces. And also, it gets to the point where you're time filling as well. And of course, and you know, some people will disagree with me on this, but I try to kind of keep them at least on a on a vague kind of representation of their current timetable, because otherwise it's just carnage. And primary teachers especially know this, that if you kind of give an inch, it's you've lost it. And I think actually today was probably my point where I thought, okay, I think uh I think I've lost the battle at this point. They're they're all turning on each other. I mean, I've had tears and tantrums all week from from various children um they're they're all just all over the place and they they need they need a break as much as i think we do i um i also had an awful incident today where uh three of mine were mucking around and it kept happening and kept happening and i kept sort of saying right okay you know you need to stop you need to stop you need to stop and in the end i'm not proud to admit it but i did i did raise my voice because it just it was just too much they just kept on and kept on and kept on but uh yes it, it they were they were on and on and on and i just didn't i didn't know what to do in the end uh but i did say you know you were asked repeatedly and you were asked to stop but i think again i mean i never like raising my voice in class it's not not the kind of teacher i am but uh i think it definitely when when that when that sort of dragon teacher that i really don't like comes out i know that it's the end of term and i know that it's time to to hang up the pens for a bit and just walk away and come back to it when when feeling when feeling better and hopefully more refreshed um, but also in amongst all of this nonsense going on and children turning on each other and the and the 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 carrying on, we are having to prepare for this online learning week, which at the moment, fingers crossed, it's just going to be a week. Now, of course, famous last words, but as it stands, we are only online teaching for a week. But of course, as you all know, this requires an enormous, enormous amount of, prepar of preparation from deciding what will work and what won't, deciding what to upload, what not to upload, deciding how the activities will work, what kind of timetable you're going to run. It's just a lot, a lot of admin. And I'd actually almost forgotten just how much work it is to transfer everything online and make sure it works. So we are going to be running a full timetable for that week online, which I've never done. Um, I've done 
first lockdown I did what did I do first lockdown I actually did no online teaching at all it was it was blissful um I uploaded work the children did it I got I got the work back I gave feedback and and that was it it almost seemed too easy uh whereas the the second lockdown um in Portugal I did what did I do we did maths and English every day uh Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday and then we do topic and science on Thursday and Friday and that worked quite well but now we're going to trial the full timetable and see how that goes now we're fortunate in that we have uh, at least one free period a day due to specialists so i'm fingers crossed it'll it'll turn out well but we'll we'll see where we end up yeah i'll report back to you on how that goes in january when well actually when we're in the thick of it because hopefully I'll be back with you for that first week in January as well. What else? What else has been happening? Oh gosh, how could I forget? So I'm also, in amongst all of that stuff that I've just said, I'm currently trying to organise to fly home for Christmas. Now I haven't been home home in 15 months, so I really am trying to trying to pull it off. I did pop back to the UK briefly to go and stay with my with my best friend, who I think is listening in this evening. Hi, Eleni, if you are there. Uh, uh, but apart from that, I have not not set foot in the UK in well over a year. So I have been trying to get all the tests sorted because obviously everything changed. And honestly, between trying to organise the various appointments, trying to work out what tests you need. Uh, the the financial impact, which goodness me, I mean, is absolutely shocking. But that's uh, a rant for another day. Honestly, it's nearly killed me, and I still don't really know if I've booked the correct things. Uh, I'm at the point now, really, where I'm just going to have to find out and hope. I'm also dreading the fact that I've got to have a PCR in the UK for my day two because I haven't done a throat swab in over a year so oh the thought is just making me feel quite queasy at the moment and then of course there's every chance that we'll get a, a Boris special like we did on the on the 19th I think it was the 19th of December last year and I remember sitting with my colleague Melissa in her apartment as this news came through and by that point last year I'd already decided I, I wasn't going to attempt to, to go back to the UK she had flight flights booked she was meant to be introducing her new boyfriend at the time to her parents all the rest of it and of course that had a huge impact on on the Christmas that we ended up having in Portugal because it went from a few of us kind of having a, an orphan's Christmas to everybody being stuck and just having to to make the most of it uh we did we did we did all right and we ended up having having a good time uh but uh it was one of those things that of course wasn't wasn't planned and wasn't it didn't i mean it didn't turn out the way it was meant to but hey ho so we'll see i mean i kind of think that if i manage to get to friday and boris hasn't dropped a clanger then we should be all right should be all right uh fingers crossed i mean uh, at this point it really is hard to hard to tell what what could happen so i don't know i mean I, one of my colleagues today also said to me that she uh her husband she and her husband had cancelled their trip uh because they just didn't feel it it was it was worth it and i wonder i do wonder if they uh have made the right call 
so we'll we'll soon find out of course if i do make it home um i really want to the whole well part of the point it well the main point is to catch up with my family see them be with them be at home uh, but of course there are friends i want to catch up with too who i haven't seen in a long long time but then there's obviously the risk the risk factors attached to that so it's it's just a bit of a, a wait and see, really. I mean, it's all a bit up in the air, which is, I think, probably why I feel a bit flat today and a bit sort of, oh, I don't really know where I'm at, to be honest. But hopefully uh, you'll all contribute and say hi to, uh, during the show this evening and hopefully we'll get some some people chiming in and uh, we can we can lift the mood. We can bring the Christmas spirit back to to uh, Teachers Talk Radio and to all of us. So let's let's keep on the positive side for the moment. Oh, what else? Oh, I've just seen in my notes, which I do keep in front of me for every show, very important to keep your train of thought, uh, shows I've been particularly enjoying this week. I always do this and I'm getting better at catching up with my uh, with my fellow host shows. I don't get through as many as I'd like to, but uh, I do try. I do try. And I know that it's just a, a rubbish excuse and that I should be uh, listening to, to more than I do. And I am going to make a, a concerted effort to make sure I, I get through more, mostly so I can big up my fellow hosts. I mean, really, that's the, the, the main reason. But also because each one of these shows is basically free CPD. I mean, I've learned so much from the shows I have listened to, and I know I, I say this often, but it is true. It is true. This will be better than any staff meeting you will ever sit through. I guarantee that. You'll you'll take away so much more from it. And also, there's always the chance for you to, to call in, to have your say. We always say to you, tune in and talk it out because we want you to join in. We want you to listen. We want you to participate. So please, 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 if at any point during this show or any other show you want to call in and, and have your say, we would be delighted to have you. <laughs> oh, Lawrence, who is a, a dear friend of this show, who's been on a couple of times, he said to me, don't feel flat, Lucy. Uh, we'll lift your feelings, Lucy Scrooge. <laughs> Thank you for that, Lawrence. I appreciate that. Um, so back to shows I have been enjoying. Uh, I really enjoyed Graham's brunch show on Sunday. And it was all about toxicity in schools and toxic leadership. And it was one of those shows that when you listen to it, it's kind of, if you know, you know. If you've been in that situation or been in a school where toxic leadership or that kind of poisonous environment has existed, you know, you know if you've been through that. And sadly, too many of us have been in that situation. And it's it's very, very sad. But it's also, I think, vital to acknowledge when you are in those situations so that you can get the support you need. Excuse me. So that you can get the support you need and, if necessary, move on to somewhere where the leadership is not toxic and where you can do the job to the best of your ability. Because ultimately, that's what we need, isn't it? We need to be in environments where... Not only the children thrive, but we thrive as well because the two go hand in hand. Um, so, yeah, so do get if you get a chance to listen back to Graham's show, please do. Uh, it's thoroughly enjoyable. And there's also a little bit at the beginning about uh, Christmas and all the rest of it and, and events that are happening and how schools are getting around the idea that nativities maybe aren't going ahead in the way that's planned. I mean, it's just it's all over the show, really, isn't it? But. We are a, and I, I, I'm hesitant to use the word resilient because I know it gets used an awful lot, but I think that, I mean, it, 
it's true, isn't it? We we press on regardless. That's why so many of us are still standing tall despite everything we've gone through. And this is something I will touch on again, you know, later on this evening. But I think it's important to sit yourself down and to reflect on not only this year, but the last couple of years and really be proud of yourselves and acknowledge that you've been through so much teachers TAs all all staff who work in schools because let's face it we've all been in it together and I think again TAs do not get enough of a shout out in all of this they are have been absolutely instrumental I know that in the couple of schools I've been in during the whole uh, coronavirus pandemic um it, They've facilitated many, many things, guided reading sessions. They've supported um, SEN children. They've they've done so, so, so much. So I think as well, they need to really pat themselves on the back and just think, you know what? We've done it. We've, we've got we've got through another year and uh, let's let's just keep keep going strong. Oh, good evening, Tom. Tom Rogers has has joined in as well. Fantastic to have you, Tom. We're just uh, we're just. Uh, talking through a few bits, reflecting, starting our reflection on the year. So uh, good to have you on board. So yes, please, please, please do take some time, certainly in the next couple of weeks, before before the end, uh, the true end of the year, to really take stock, I think, of, of everything that's happened. It's it's vital that we that we do this and that we ourselves acknowledge what we've contributed and what we've achieved. And as always, yes, you know what I'm about to say, I'm still plugging my what's for dinner feature. And I know you're thinking, gosh, Lucy, this really is getting a bit tragically desperate now. Like we, we, we don't care. Well, some of you do, and I'm going to keep going with it. So tough bananas, really. You're, you're stuck with it. Um, I am meant to be making butternut squash soup, which my dear friend Eleni already mentioned, uh, sent me the recipe for, and she is actually having for dinner herself this evening. And I did tell her I was going to make it on Monday. Um, I may not make it this evening. We'll see. We'll see how I feel after the show. If I don't, I will make it on Wednesday. I have a feeling that this evening will end up being dumplings from my favourite establishment in Kashkais because I'm tired, to be honest, <laughs> like we all are. I'm really tired. And the thought of having to chop up the enormous butternut squash in my kitchen and make soup seems a little bit too taxing, to be honest. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see how we go. Right. After the break, we're going to get stuck into the main portion of this evening, where we're going to we're going to again carry on this reflective mode, and we're going to look ahead to 2022. And please, please, please do contribute, do chime in, do share your stories, and we will see where we end up. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the program for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondlelettersandsounds.org.uk.
Teachers Talk Radio is delighted to support Winston's Wish, the UK's childhood bereavement charity. Winston's Wish supports children and their families after the death of a parent or sibling. They provide emotional and practical bereavement support. Expert teams also provide online resources, specialist publications and training for professionals. Find out more about Winston's Wish and pledge your support at www.winstonswish.org. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. Following last week's warning from Ofsted's Chief Inspector that a number of children are missing from school, England's Children's Commissioner, Rachel D'Souza, has announced that an investigation to locate the ghost children is to be launched. Some estimates have suggested that as many as 100,000 children are at risk of abuse after failing to return to school after lockdown. Rachel D'Souza said, We're hearing lots about ghost children, and I hate that term. These are real flesh and blood children. We should be able to find out where every child in England is. We should be making sure they are in school receiving high quality education. The Education Secretary, Nadim Zahawi, said his department had now set up a new attendance alliance designed to bring together the key figures able to tackle the problem of missing school children. Following Nicola Sturgeon's announcement on Friday that the Scottish Government would do all that it can to keep classrooms open, the Deputy First Minister John Swinney has stated that schools in Scotland will be the last thing we close. These announcements come in response to a rapid increase in cases of the new strain of COVID and a call from teaching union boss Larry Flanagan to close schools early for Christmas. He said the Scottish Government should consider an early Christmas closure if a fire break is needed to fend off a new wave. Nicola Sturgeon said last week that she would bust a gut to keep schools open as normal. Butterflies Nursery in Craigie, Dundee, usually organises food bank donations around Christmas. But this year they have raised the bar and have launched a winter jacket drive. Manager Caroline McDermott said, It just came from us thinking, what else can we do to help? A lot of people have lost their jobs with the pandemic recently. And the last thing a lot of people think of when they're doing their budget is a warm winter coat. We printed off some laminated signs and made some flyers. So far, it's been quite successful. Everyone deserves a winter coat. So far, more than 50 coats have been donated by pupils, parents and staff. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. This week we're going to look at one of the simplest, freely available, yet least used browser technologies, the Reader View. Chrome versus Edge, let the battle commence. On screen one, I have Microsoft Edge, weighing in at the cost of zero pounds. On screen two, I have Google Chrome, also weighing in at the cost of zero pounds. Round one, opening Reader View. On the Edge browser, the immersive reader feature is built in and can be activated by a button on the address bar, by typing read followed by a colon in front of a URL, and also you can simply press F9. Before you can open Reader View in Chrome, you have to install it as an extension. It's free and not difficult. Once installed, you'll find it in extensions located to the right of the address bar. One point to Immersive Reader. Round two, features. Both come out fighting with the read aloud feature that allows the user to adjust the read speed, skip forward and back, and change the voice that is reading. They both also highlight the word being read. Chrome Reader has a volume control, which is a nice touch if not using headphones. One point, Chrome Reader. Round three, readability. A big feature for reader views is the ability to change the formatting to suit the user. Both allow easy changing of font size, font and text width on the screen, but they differ in background colour features. Here is where Immersive Reader offers quite a bit more. Chrome Reader offers 8 background slash contrast colours, 4 light and 4 dark. Immersive Reader provides 23 background options, green, pink, yellow and blue included, allowing pupils with visual needs to find a comfortable colour. One point, Immersive Reader. Round 4, Editing. Chrome Reader features a design mode. This allows you to highlight text and make changes. Quite useful if wanting to pick out key points to return to. Immersive Reader does not have this feature. One point Chrome Reader. Round five, extra features. Immersive Reader has a grammar feature, allowing words to be split into syllables. You can highlight nouns, verbs, adjectives and adverbs by flicking switches. This feature is not offered on Chrome Reader. One point Immersive Reader. Immersive Reader also offers reading preferences, featuring line focus of five, three or one line, blocking out the rest of the page. There's a picture dictionary, allowing some words to change the pointer to a magic wand that reveals a picture depicting it. Also, there's a translation feature allowing partial or full translation of a page into 88 different languages at the click of a button. Chrome Reader does not offer these features, however, other free products such as Google Translate could be used. Immersive Reader takes the point because you don't need to leave the page. Final score! Winning with 4 points to 2 after a blistering final round is Microsoft Immersive Reader, but let's face it, most people don't know these things exist. If you were one of them, please do something about it. See if these features are installed in your school, and if not, request they are. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2021 Twitter feed. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Good evening. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> Getting croaky. The voice is on the way out. Oh, honestly, I think endotermitis is catching up with me as well. But... My voice is going to fight through. What I was going to say before I croaked halfway through that sentence was, you're back with me, Lucy Newberger. This is Tuesday's Twilight Show. I really enjoyed that tech briefing. That's that's a, a new little add-on that uh, Teachers Talk Radio have done. And I'm going to have to listen to it again because I didn't fully digest it that first time. But some really helpful and useful information in there from, from Steve. And I'm definitely going to be nudging my school to get those extra bits and pieces installed. And you should too. Okay, so back to this evening's discussion. So as I said to you at the beginning, for sort of for my final show this year, I wanted to I wanted to look back and reflect on the last couple of years. But I also think it's important to look forward to the future as well, because it it kind of goes hand in hand, and particularly with everything that's gone on um, in COVID times and all the rest of it, it's important to look at 
well, what we've learned, where we are at as teachers, how we're feeling, and take that forward and see how that's going to impact us in 2022 and beyond. And when I put this this thought out to Twitter, it received quite a, a sort of mixed mixed response. And many people feel that over the COVID pandemic, that teachers have actually become scapegoats. They've become vilified. I mean, we've always, we are always in and out of the news for whatever reason. Education always seems to be, uh, I think it's uh, often described as a political football, isn't it? Something that's tossed around. Everyone seems to think that they can do the job better than we can. Everyone seems to like to, to pick on us for something or another, whatever it is. Uh, and it seemed in some cases as if COVID exacerbated that. And when I was researching and looking into this, I found an article from a year ago by Shami Chakrabarti uh, called Since When Did Teacher Shaming Become Britain's National Sport? I mean, what a headline. Just that alone made me think, goodness me, you know, it really was. We were we were just shunted around from from pillar to post. We were. I mean, it was everything from the uh, exam debacle, which of 2020, which the less said about that, the better, um, you know, I would say RIP Gav Williamson, but I don't really think, you know, anyone misses him at all. Um, and many others also felt constantly shamed for supposedly not doing enough to educate and support children. Um, and teachers, you know, just were, I mean, honestly, it was it was awful, really. And uh, I wanted to just refer back to, to Shami's article and this particular bit stuck out to me. It said, so why the special venom for our teachers? Why do we trust these professionals to care for and educate our precious youngsters, but not to consider school safety? So this was when, you know, do we shut down schools? Do we not shut down schools? Do we do we reopen partially? Do we not? And you know, this has gone backwards and forwards. And this is still in discussion now. Um, I was sitting with a with a colleague for lunch earlier today and uh, she was uh, texting back and forth with a friend who works in a one-form entry school and they've closed a week early because they they've had to they've got they've got half their staff out with with covid and other illnesses as well as uh, a lot of the children whose parents are unwell so of course uh, the head teacher there had to make a judgment call and it's difficult when you're told no schools must stay open at all costs well if you haven't got staff then what are you supposed to do Anyway, I digress. So uh, Shami goes on to say, I asked an old school friend, now a head teacher of a secondary school, working night and day to make sure his most vulnerable kids get the best support possible. He talks of the profession as long being maligned and misunderstood, always on holiday, go home at three, etc. Oh, all things we've heard before. And he worries about the long-term consequences of the current bout of shaming on morale, retention and recruitment for the future. And isn't that the point? in all of this, that the more we're picked on, the more we're maligned, the more we're shamed for, for not doing enough. I mean, who in their right mind after reading that would then think, you know what, I want to be a teacher. And even now, even now at the end of 2021, so yeah, the end of our, our second year of all of this, uh, and we're, we're at the point where many schools, like my uh, my colleagues friends schools schools are on their knees and there are some who are just crying out saying please just let us close let us close we have not we're, we're we're clinging on here and it's 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 unbelievable unbelievable you know with staff absence to everything else at what point do you turn around as a head teacher and say do you know what 
I, I, I can't do this. I, I need to protect my staff and, and my pupils. And actually another article I found from Schools Week is um, one where heads blast ministers as COVID thwarts nativity again. Uh, now, of course, this goes back to something I think Nathan touched on in his show last week. Well, I say touched on it, it was the focus of his whole show, where once again, you know, these, these nativities, we were told to go ahead. We were told to, to carry on as normal but then of course again you've got a situation where well parents of course want to see their darling children as the angel gabriel mary joseph whoever they want to see those carol concerts but there is of course a risk attached to that if a load of adults are sitting in a room together without masks and of course it's uh you know one of those damned if you do and damned if you don't scenarios and sadly in all of this we have learned from the dfe that at the at the very best, they're unhelpful with their advice, sort of saying, oh, well, you know, go ahead. We, we think it's OK to go ahead. But really, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of uh, uh, up to you. It's your judgment call. And at worst, really, they're just exacerbating many issues we already face. Uh, you know, they're just kind of making it worse. They're making us the villains once again. And if the DFE aren't supporting us and aren't uh, there behind us during this the most difficult of times, then who are we supposed to rely on? Who are we supposed to look to as our leaders to say, do you know what, come on, we need some guidance here. We need, we need your support. We need you sometimes to make an executive decision because although people working in schools, teachers, head teachers, we're all competent people, we're all intelligent people, but sometimes we need someone to just say, look, okay, maybe this isn't a good idea. Maybe don't go ahead with this rather than saying, oh, well, you know, uh, maybe, but on your head be it kind of thing. No, I don't think that's going to be uh, going to be a good thing, to be honest. What else? I think more positively, um, although mm, I say more positively, well, tell me what you think. Tell me what you think about this one. Uh, more positively, I do feel something we've all learnt in the last couple of years or all had to really whether we like it or not is many of us have had to get to grips with tech now of course people my sort of age the millennials shout out to to the millennials amongst us we have kind of grown up in a time where really uh, where social media was born where tech has really kind of taken off in a in a big way and has impacted our lives not only on a work level but also on a personal level as well but definitely i feel like we were thrown into having to get to grips with it in covid whether we wanted to or not we we had no choice we had to be able to work the laptop we had to be able to upload things to google classroom class dojo seesaw all these different platforms we had to make sure that we knew how to use zoom we had to make sure that we knew how to use whether it was microsoft teams or google meet i mean to see i can't even remember the names of them all we had to uh, endure uh, children changing their backgrounds constantly on Zoom or, you know, some even pretending, some even, you know, weren't there because uh, they refused to turn their cameras on. All sorts of fun like that. Um, <laughs> speaking of Zoom, I discovered in lockdown that if I didn't turn off uh, children's ability to, to annotate things, then there was one particular child who would take it upon himself as I was screen mirroring or screen sharing, would, would 
take it upon himself to scribble all over what I was doing. And whilst I was fairly sure I knew who it was, I couldn't quite pinpoint that it was that it was him. So that was immensely frustrating, but all part of the merriment that was that first lockdown. Actually, no, that was the second one, I think. So, um, I mean, I've learned a lot along with my with my uh, the children in my class about, you know, how to maximize the tech that we do have at our disposal. But, you know, with the positives of, you know, learning new things, understanding how things work, um, there are pitfalls that come with that. Lawrence has said, as a millennial TA, getting the use of millennial in there, thank you, and spell correctly, good on you, although he's a much better speller than I am. Um, I was in great demand to the older generation for remote learning tech the first time around. Yes, and that definitely was uh, d a difficult thing for for the older generation. I'm not sure who you're referring to, uh, age wise in 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 that bracket, uh, Lawrence. So we probably should be a bit careful there, just in case any of them are are listening. But I don't think they'd be offended. In fact, a lot of the people I worked with were very open about the fact that they struggled with that tech. That it took them a while to get to grips with it. But in fairness to everyone I spoke to, they did it, and I do think that. There were cases where some schools were training staff better than others. But certainly in that first lockdown, it happened also very, very fast. I seem to remember that I was in school on a Wednesday and by Friday I was at home in front of my computer. And so my mind was spinning, even though I consider myself relatively computer literate for someone who isn't. That must have been incredibly overwhelming. So I do think there is definitely scope to continue with not only children's you know ICT literacy digital literacy etc but it's also vital for us as teachers to to keep on top of it you know as part of that CPD it's it should always be something that's that's in our mind particularly now as it's there, there could be any point where we're told right online off you go because let's face it it's it's happened before and it, it could well happen again now of course with all this tech use came the the pitfalls as well. Uh, we definitely saw in that first lockdown that accessibility for uh, for some families was a widespread issue across across the UK. Uh, not everyone had an iPad or a laptop at their disposal and so of course that was where schools had to step up and lend things out and I think there was a, I can't remember, someone might, someone would have to to chime in and tell me this, but I can't remember if there was a government initiative to, to ensure that everybody had access. And if there was, um, I certainly didn't, uh, when I was still in the UK, I didn't read the success of that at the school I was at. Um, whether it was successful or not, I, I don't know. Uh, so, of course, that was a huge problem because if we are going to be online more, if we are going to be teaching children at home or remotely or doing our or even setting our homework online, then we as teachers also need to understand and be aware of that access that children have. Do Are they able to do it? Because obviously, why should they be penalised if they can't access what they need to? That's not down to them. So that is a that is a problem as well. Um, of course, another one that uh, has definitely been something that parents at my school have been very concerned about, and uh, given that this uh, uh, online week that we're having, given that we're teaching full full timetable, I'll be interested to to see some of the responses to it. Is screen time? 
because of course we're always going on about the fact that we should be limiting not only our own screen time as adults but also children's screen time as well so we need to strike that balance between you know making sure we're using this tech and teaching children how to use it safely and responsibly and all the rest of it uh, both at school and at home and of course there is that crossover as well now uh, because we've been teaching children at home because their their lives are online now um, for better or worse we need to make sure that we are clear what our responsibilities are in terms of in terms of safeguarding in terms of ensuring children that are, children are using these things in the right way but of course also with that i think we need to also know where our line is as teachers where our limit is as to what our responsibility is in terms of dealing with online behavior online abuse etc i had an incident uh was it this week or last week this week i think where um some children in my class uh who have roblox accounts now those of you again in teaching those of you with children will know what roblox is my only knowledge of roblox is that it is an online game children play um and they were very concerned that um, one child in their class had supposedly hacked into uh, some other children's accounts and there was all kinds of nonsense going on. Now, the issue I had was, well, Roblox has nothing to do with me, nothing to do with school. So where is my responsibility as the class teacher? Do I just say, not my issue? Roblox is you know, not my problem. What you, what you play at home and all that is, is none of my business. Or because it's now been an issue that's brought into school that children are upset about, is it my responsibility? I don't know. And I think that's something with all this online work and technology, we have to know as teachers kind of where we stand in terms of that uh, protection and making sure that children are you know, using it in the right way. But uh, that's never really been very clear for me. Um, and maybe that's something I need to look, look into in terms of policy at my school. Um, or maybe there's room for for CPD or for some uh, some guidelines on that. So I will look out for that in the future. Um, what else? No, I think I think well, I think that the the tech side of it for me has been has definitely been a big one. That's probably been the steepest steepest learning curve. Now, as well as all of that, so that's kind of where. I feel, or what I feel has happened, it's a very quick rundown really of what I feel has kind of happened over the last two years in terms of teaching. Now, of course, we could go on and on about this for hours. We could unpick the idea of teacher shaming a little bit more and how that and how that affected us and where we are today. We could unpick the, the tech side of it a whole lot more. There's room for hours and hours of chat on these. But I think that it's also important because I did promise you a kind of more positive spin on this evening's show because uh, as I mentioned earlier I'm feeling a little bit kind of oh gosh tired emotional all over the show this evening so I think it's now important to to switch over to what we're looking forward to what the future holds for education so I want to think about or I want to know what are you looking forward to what, where do we go from here? And I often say this in my shows when we're talking about different things. Where do we go? What are the next steps? And I did try and fail to get a hashtag uh, off the ground this week, which was what be the edu trend? I know we talk about edu Twitter. We have edu dates, uh, of course, for, for, this, for the single ones amongst us. 
But what it, what is the new edu trend going to be? Where are we going from here? Um, are there anything? Are there any trends that are set to take off? And again, I had some mixed responses for this. So I'm just going to refer to my Twitter because uh, some people were very keen to share their their wish lists for the coming year. So let's have a look at these. Um, Freya, who I know has appeared on the show before, she said she wants everyone to have a fabulous work-life balance in 2022. And I think that's really, really important. Um, I think we, we talk about it an awful lot. It's, it's something that's always discussed amongst teachers. It's always, always at the forefront of our minds. And I think very few of us actually take heed. I mean, it took me leaving the UK and setting up camp in Portugal to achieve that work-life balance, which, although it uh, may be a little bit extreme and, and not for everyone, it has worked for me. But I think uh, as much as we need to kind of, well, take stock about what has gone on this year, we also need to make sure that going forward, we are looking after ourselves. We are doing, and I know some people hate the term self-care, but that we are practicing self-care that we're looking out for each other as well, because I think it's very easy to have the blinkers on as a teacher. It's very easy to go down that your own rabbit hole. And before you know it, you, you've barely spoken to anyone in four days. You've got a load of laundry that's piled up and you know, you've eaten nothing but cereal for three days. I mean, that's never happened to me, but you, <laughs> you get the idea. You get the idea. Uh, Briley has also said, that uh, ooh, this is a this is a spicy one. That traditionalists and progressives stop arguing what works better in the classroom. That teachers realise that other teachers mainly put on just the good stuff on social media. Uh, I mean, I think there is a degree of that. I think that again, in well, social media in general, we're all very good at kind of portraying a, a certain vision uh, of what teaching is and what it looks like. Um, but I'd like to think that certainly on Teachers Talk Radio. Uh, as well as the kind of the wider Twitter network, that there are those of us out there that are realistic, that do kind of share the nitty gritty. I mean, I I have nothing to hide. I'm I'm a warts and all, as 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 you know. And uh, I think that it's that honesty is uh, is important. And of course, you don't want to read, you don't want to read negativity all the time. You don't want to read sad things you don't want to kind of go go down that that horrible horrible rabbit hole as there are many rabbit holes in teaching but that's a particular one because it's very easy to do um but on the flip side to that there is also uh, the other thing that i get caught up in and i and i've talked about this before which is things like the pinterest perfect classroom i definitely went down um went into a spiral the other day of looking at all these beautiful booklets and worksheets that teachers were producing thinking goodness me I don't have time for that I can't remember the last time I created a worksheet I can't remember the last time I drew a re I don't think I've hand-drawn a resource since my teacher training and then I started to panic and I thought oh gosh does that mean I'm a terrible teacher does that mean I lack creativity no it doesn't no it doesn't and I think we all put energy into different things in teaching we all do things in different ways. And I think it's important to, to acknowledge that and to understand that. So I think we do need to bounce off each other more and use each other more, but also not shame ourselves if we're not like the teacher next to us or like that teacher who has got a beautiful classroom. Because it may be that that's what they excel at and there may be other bits where they need a bit more support. 
for some reason or another. You know, it's 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 a difficult one. That's always a difficult one. So DC said on my wish list something to come into the government's inbox. Inbox? Inbox? No, try that again, Lucy. Inbox that is so big they don't have the time, headspace, or funds to interfere with the public sector. Dare to dream. A la Brexit. Ooh, controversial. Do you remember when all state schools were to become academies? Yes, I do. I remember mass academization, and that's. Um, I don't know if uh, any of my other uh, fellow hosts have uh, tackled that one, but that's definitely a uh, potential show option in there i have i have worked at a school that's part of an academy chain um i think it would be uh uncharitable to say that i wouldn't again but i think the academy uh chain that i worked for was was not great it didn't give me a positive experience shall we say and the ceo it seemed to only really be wheeled out for sort of high days and holidays uh, i think in the grand total of the two years i was at that particular school i think i clapped eyes on him about twice as well i think it was once a year so yeah i think that's a a, a, a well thought out point there dc lucy not me tweeting myself um Proper funding for early help for SEND, SEMH services and support, of course, you know, always underfunded, always a victim of the budget cuts, which is very sad. Um, I think it would be wonderful, this is Lucy carrying on again, I think it would be wonderful if families of children with SEND didn't have to fight for access to the services that they need. And uh, my response to that was that I wholeheartedly agree. It seems to be something that's, that is an ongoing battle, but hopefully... I don't know, hopefully the government will start to see the value and the very necessary uh, work, energy and funding that needs to be put in to support these children and to make sure we are being inclusive and are able to, to teach everybody. Um, oh, M, a previous guest on the show, M actually did my uh, dating episode with me, which I think we should probably do another one of at some point. That was, that was one of the funniest shows I, I've ever done. Um, so M, if you're listening and you want to come back on to do another one, Maybe Tom Rogers can come on with us and uh, we can have a kind of an edgy date, dating, beautiful chat. Maybe one for Valentine's Day, Tom. What do you think? Let me know in the comments. <laughs> so M said, uh, no Ofsted, um, health, teamwork, communication, fun and well-being at the centre of education. Um, I think that is absolutely spot on. I think, uh, what did I put for well-being? I wrote something down as well. Um, I put, uh, I would like to see child and teacher well-being become far more of a central focus and woven into the curriculum rather than a cursory assembly or PSHE lesson. It comes up time and time again. Why are we not putting the energy and the time into it? Um, and I know we all sit there and say, but, you know, with, with what spare time, Lucy, with what spare energy, you know, we're just trying to kind of, we're just trying to jog on through, we're just trying to educate these kids. Yeah, but I think now more than ever, uh, and I don't know about you, I'm certainly noticing the impact that the last couple of years have had uh, on, on the children that I'm teaching. And I think I've mentioned this before, but my current year five children, their last full academic year in school was year two. So they have not had an un uninterrupted year since year two. And I know I joked about the kind of the meltdowns and the and the carrying on and the nonsense that's gone on this week. But I think part of that is that they're just scared. 
They're scared that, you know, they're going to end up online again. They know that they're going back online, or certainly mine do, that they're going back online in January. I know children are very perceptive and, the, and they're, you know, they, they, they know that, that things are all over the place, that it's topsy-turvy. They've grown up in a time where they've heard the word COVID more than their own names. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a weird thing for them. And they, you know, they're at home, they're not at home. They're trying to cope online, then they're back in school. It's, it's a mishmash of things. And I know I approached my head teacher a while ago and I said, I think part of being in school now is actually teaching children how to be together again, because they've forgotten. They really have forgotten and it's not their fault. But when you've spent that much time alone at home, not with your peers, I mean, even we as adults, uh, I mean, I will openly admit that I found it really tough. I definitely thrive in, in social situations. I like to be with and around people. And when that's taken away from you for a period of time, you do forget how to interact. You do forget how to how to work in a team, be around people. And it's almost as if you have to, to relearn that. So I think that is very important for, for children to, you know, to, to have in their lives. So I think maybe next term, just thinking out loud, I'm going to do some bonding with my children, some group exercises, some team bonding activities. And I'd urge you to do the same, whatever age you're teaching, take them outside, give them a challenge, um, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I'll do some research and see what I come up with and just get them to, to work together and to be a team. Because I think with my children and certainly the ones who are uh, who've been in the school a long time, I find that, you know, that they when they fall out, I'm sort of saying to them. I'm not, well, I'm not saying to them, you know, right, uh, hold hands and skip off into the sunset together, because you can say that to year one children, you can kind of write, say sorry, now hold hands and off you go. By year five, that doesn't work. And so my reasoning with my children always is, you know, I don't expect you to be best friends. That's unrealistic. I'm not going to sit there and insult their intelligence. But you do have to be respectful towards one another. You do have to be mindful of each other. If you are sitting next to someone that isn't your best friend, don't ignore them if I'm asking you to do a, a, a partner talking session. Don't, you know, don't kind of pull a face if I, if I sit you next to you know, a person that's not, that you're not the greatest fan of. Just, you know, work, work with them. In life, we have to work with people sometimes that are not our favourites. Well, I'm sure you can all you're sitting there thinking, yep, there are many people I've worked with in my life who I do not particularly care for, but I put on a brave face, I smile and I get on with it. And I think we need to sometimes teach children to do the same. Where did we get to in this list of tweets then? Ah, uh, Paul Rayner said to me, my wish list is that exams run smoothly in 2022. An exam debacle again. No last minute changes uh, or working out... Uh, working out grades ourselves. Oh, gosh, what a nightmare. Honestly, I think the less said about that, the better. Um, oh, and here's a great one as well. For the government just to say thank you to teachers for their resilience, there's that word again, and everyday effort over the last 20 exhausting months, just a smidgen of an acknowledgement would suffice, wouldn't it just? And I think, again, that's it for, for a lot of people as well, is just for the government to turn around and say, instead of scapegoating us, instead of making us into the villains, making us into the ones that have done everything wrong, why not just turn around and say thanks? Because ultimately, that's 
all we're looking for, I think. It's no, it's, I know it was what I was looking for because I think this job, the validation is not readily handed out ever, even from your own colleagues, from the people you're working with. Because as much as we are in school with each other every day, a lot of the time you're in your classroom by yourself, most of the time, I don't, even have an, I don't even have an LSA or a TA with me. So it's me in there with those kids. And yeah, don't get me wrong, they're great company. The banter's great, they work hard, they're good fun. But sometimes it'd be nice to, for someone to see what you're doing and just be like, do you know what, you're, you're doing good. You're doing okay, it's all right. Oh, I really liked how you did that. And maybe that's the, 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 the kind of needy person that I am, I don't know. But I think that I think that validation is is very important and acknowledgement and, and understanding that actually, you know, you are you are doing okay. You're doing more than okay. You're doing great. So please do remind yourself of that and remind each other of that. Really do. My gift to you and your gift to me can be just that. A little bit of praise, a little bit of validation. Um, what else did I put on my wish list? <laughs> I've just seen it. Um I would like standalone spag sessions to die a death. And actually what made me think of this was uh, Tabitha on Twitter taught me what a, was it a conjunctive adverb or a connective adverb, which is uh, apparently the category that the word however falls into. And it made me curl up and want to want to cry because I had no idea what, what she meant. I know that she's studied language um, in an advanced capacity. So Tabitha, you know, kudos to you. But uh, yeah, standalone spag lessons, grammar lessons, definitely something I'd like to see got rid of. They're just dire. I don't know if, you've, if how many of you have taught them, but just there is nothing worse than trying to hammer home a grammar point, which is out of context, abstract, kids are not interested, the worksheets are diabolical, and then you go to do a lovely piece of written work, and it's as if you never you never taught it to them so I mean I think that's part of a wider problem to be honest I I would like uh, the teaching of English and writing in general to go back to the uh, to the love of uh, content and uh, enhancing children's creativity and praising their creativity rather than marking them down because they haven't included a relative clause passive voice what's the other ones fronted a verbial which I can see Lawrence has mentioned Fronted adverbial should go in the bin and start from 101. I didn't know what a fronted adverbial was till I was 26 years old. Okay, just to make anyone out there feel better about the whole grammar thing. All right, until I went to do my PGCE and I sat in that English lecture. I think it was one of the first ones I sat in. And uh, we were learning about these grammar points. I had no idea. And by this point, and not to kind of toot my own horn, but, but, but at this point, I'd written an, an undergrad thesis. Um, I'd written my master's uh, thesis, dissertation, whatever you want to call it, written for countless blogs, etc. Not once, not once had I looked at my writing. And I feel I write reasonably well. Not once have I looked, read something through and thought, do you know what, that would really sing if I put a fronted adverbial in, or, you know, oh. anyway, I, I, I will get on my soapbox about that because it drives me absolutely bananas. Um, I mean, obviously, you need proper conventions to write with. You need, children need to understand basic syntax, certain grammar points, 
but I find it absolutely laughable that we're still hammering the spag thing home when I have year five children who still haven't fully grasped the full stop or the comma. So why on earth, why on earth am I going to teach them? Ugh, subordinate clauses or anything else of that ilk. Anyway, I'm getting, I'm going, I'm going down a hole, aren't I? I'm going down a spiral. Um, what else is on my wish list? Um, I also want to see um, continued creativity in lessons. Yeah, that was another thing. So obviously we had to adapt when we went online. We had to channel our creativity into making lessons that would work online, into turning work that would normally be done in books or live in classrooms into things that would work online. And I did some lovely tasks with children where, um, Oh, what did they do? They took photos. They planted seeds. Uh, what else? They went on nature walks. All sorts of things. So it really was an opportunity to, and I'm going to use another expression that I know makes people cringe, but to think outside the box, because that's that's it. That is what we had to do. Um, I think that now that we're back in school, uh, or have been back in school for a while, uh, the feeling that I have is that, oh, you know, we've had to catch up, we've had to really hit the ground running, we've had to really focus on on that English, on that maths, particularly in primary, making sure we're getting those children's skills back up to scratch. And of course, those things are vital, but I want to also have lessons that are not about ticking boxes, that are not about passing tests, or not about pleasing someone, a shiny suited inspector who looks like a bulldog chewing a wasp, or in some cases looks like, I suppose, Jacob Rees-Mogg and Michael Gove's love child. I mean, they always look bizarre, don't they? They're always the most sort of severe looking people, and goodness knows where some of them get their suits from, because, dearie me, I mean, I know we shouldn't judge, but oh, blimey. So yeah, I feel like we've we've covered an awful lot in the last hour. I feel like I've been on a on a bit of a a, a mental a mental journey. It's it's definitely uh, a lot to think about. I think, but also, you know, a lot to a lot to reflect on, a lot to be proud of. And I keep coming back to this. I think that more than ever, we need to make sure that we are looking after ourselves, that we are acknowledging that we can only do so much. We can only do so much. So after the news and ads again, what I'm going to do is wrap up the show. We're going to come to some conclusions. And if there's anything anybody would like to add, please do so, because I would love to hear from you. I'd love to know what you think about all this, what you think about the, the things I've touched on this evening, because it'd be nice to, to hear someone else's voices as well as my own. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Colin's Big Cat. To find out more, Follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk Teachers Talk Radio is delighted to support Winston's Wish. 
the UK's childhood bereavement charity. Winston's Wish supports children and their families after the death of a parent or sibling. They provide emotional and practical bereavement support. Expert teams also provide online resources, specialist publications and training for professionals. Find out more about Winston's Wish and pledge your support at www.winstonswish.org. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. Following last week's warning from Ofsted's Chief Inspector that a number of children are missing from school, England's Children's Commissioner, Rachel D'Souza, has announced that an investigation to locate the ghost children is to be launched. Some estimates have suggested that as many as 100,000 children are at risk of abuse after failing to return to school after lockdown. Rachel D'Souza said, We're hearing lots about ghost children, and I hate that term. These are real flesh and blood children. We should be able to find out where every child in England is. We should be making sure they are in school receiving high quality education. The Education Secretary, Nadim Zahawi, said his department had now set up a new attendance alliance designed to bring together the key figures able to tackle the problem of missing school children. Following Nicola Sturgeon's announcement on Friday, that the Scottish Government would do all that it can to keep classrooms open, the Deputy First Minister John Swinney has stated that schools in Scotland will be the last thing we close. These announcements come in response to a rapid increase in cases of the new strain of Covid and a call from teaching union boss Larry Flanagan to close schools early for Christmas. He said the Scottish Government should consider an early Christmas closure if a fire break is needed to fend off a new wave. Nicola Sturgeon said last week that she would bust a gut to keep schools open as normal. Butterflies Nursery in Craigie, Dundee usually organises food bank donations around Christmas. But this year they have raised the bar and have launched a winter jacket drive. Manager Caroline McDermott said, It just came from us thinking, what else can we do to help? A lot of people have lost their jobs with the pandemic recently. And the last thing a lot of people think of when they're doing their budget is a warm winter coat. We printed off some laminated signs and made some flyers. So far, it's been quite successful. Everyone deserves a winter coat. So far, more than 50 coats have been donated by pupils, parents and staff. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. This week we're going to look at one of the simplest, freely available, yet least used browser technologies, the Reader View. Chrome versus Edge, let the battle commence. On screen one, I have Microsoft Edge, weighing in at the cost of zero pounds. On screen two, I have Google Chrome, also weighing in at the cost of zero pounds. Round one, opening Reader View. On the Edge browser, the immersive reader feature is built in and can be activated by a button on the address bar, by typing read followed by a colon in front of a URL, and also you can simply press F9. Before you can open Reader View in Chrome, you have to install it as an extension. It's free and not difficult. Once installed, you'll find it in extensions located to the right of the address bar. One point to Immersive Reader. Round two, features. Both come out fighting with the read aloud feature that allows the user to adjust the read speed, skip forward and back, and change the voice that is reading. They both also highlight the word being read. Chrome Reader has a volume control, which is a nice touch if not using headphones. One point, Chrome Reader. Round three, readability. A big feature for reader views is the ability to change the formatting to suit the user. Both allow easy changing of font size, font and text width on the screen, but they differ in background colour features. Here is where Immersive Reader offers quite a bit more. Chrome Reader offers 8 backgrounds slash contrast colours, 4 light and 4 dark. Immersive Reader provides 23 background options, green, pink, yellow and blue included, allowing pupils with visual needs to find a comfortable colour. One point, Immersive Reader. Round 4, Editing. Chrome Reader features a design mode. This allows you to highlight text and make changes. Quite useful if wanting to pick out key points to return to. Immersive Reader does not have this feature. One point Chrome Reader. Round five, extra features. Immersive Reader has a grammar feature, allowing words to be split into syllables. You can highlight nouns, verbs, adjectives, and adverbs by flicking switches. This feature is not offered on Chrome Reader. One point Immersive Reader. Immersive Reader also offers reading preferences, featuring line focus of five, three, or one line, blocking out the rest of the page. There's a picture dictionary, allowing some words to change the pointer to a magic wand that reveals a picture depicting it. Also, there's a translation feature allowing partial or full translation of a page into 88 different languages at the click of a button. Chrome Reader does not offer these features, however, other free products such as Google Translate could be used. Immersive Reader takes the point because you don't need to leave the page. Final score! Winning with 4 points to 2 after a blistering final round is Microsoft Immersive Reader, but let's face it, most people don't know these things exist. If you were one of them, please do something about it. See if these features are installed in your school, and if not, request they are. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2021 Twitter feed. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Good evening. You're back with me, Lucy Newberger, and we're drawing to the end of the Twilight Show. Um, but first of all, Tom has just informed me that that lovely tech briefing from Steve will be available on video tomorrow. Um, is that via Twitter, Tom? Uh, let me know, just so we can point people in the right direction. Right, so to round out... This, oh, yes, it is available on Twitter. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> so to round out this evening... Um, I wanted to just uh, have a look at what the internet thinks the education trends to look out for uh, in 2022 are going to be. Now, <laughs> I have to admit, when I Googled this, I actually genuinely didn't think anything would come up, particularly after hashtag edutrend failed to take off. Um, but I'm not going to give up on it yet. So I actually I found an article that I think is, uh, it is US based, but still I think is uh, relevant and I will uh, post it in my show notes after the show this evening. It's from uh, something called Moonshot, uh, which apparently transforms curious minds. Uh, so there you go. Um, and I'm not going to read you all of these, but just I think it's interesting 
what they feel some of the, the trends to look out for are uh, as they fit in with some of the things we've talked about this evening. Uh, now, of course, uh, education technology trends in learning and teaching, uh, we know from, well, we know from what we've talked about this evening and from all our experiences that that's going to continue growing, that we're going to see an increase, we're going to see that technology is just going to be part and parcel uh, of, our, of our jobs now. Um, this one actually made me laugh a bit. Uh, student trends, decreasing attention spans. Um, a Microsoft study took notice of the attention spans overall between 2000, which is considered the dawn of the revolution, uh, mobile revolution, and 2015. Um, and they found that there is a noticeable decrease uh, in attention spans, which I'm sure is only going to be exacerbated if this technology is not used correctly. Um, oh, here's one. Teachers versus facilitating learning. Uh, apparently now the, the trend's going to be, uh, because of course there's more independent learning happening and particularly uh, in lockdown, we've seen, we, you know, we've had to send children off. They don't necessarily have the access to us that uh, they would in the classroom. Uh, and also with living in the information age as we do, they are able to find out these things. So uh, our role is more facilitative, try to say that correctly. Um, and that presents different challenges for us and different questions that we need to ask ourselves as teachers. Um, what else? Uh, innovative e-learning platforms. Now, of course, we've all had multiple experiences of, of different ones. And I know that uh, Google is my personal favorite, but it, it still comes with its issues. It's still um, so I can use Google Slides on there, which is like PowerPoint, but I can't uh, use my Active Inspire files because they don't convert properly or you can't use them online. So I have to convert them all to PDF. And so I think there is definitely room there. Hello, Google, if you're listening. I mean, you're, you're listening to everything. Of course you are. Um, if there's definitely room for, for them to get together with educational organizations and make it easier for us. There's there's a, an untapped resource there for, for sure. What else have we got? Um, VR and AR. Um, so um, that fits into the kind of the gamification of learning. Um, I don't I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I think it certainly has its place, like all these things do. But uh, I do certainly find that it's harder and harder to, to grab the attention of children uh, in lessons, because unless it's going kaboom, or it's kind of an immersive gaming experience, they're not really interested. I mean, that's probably overtly cynical. But um, I do think it is becoming harder to 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 uh, hook children in and maybe maybe gamification and, and using virtual reality is is the way forward. I skipped uh, the blockchain innovation bit because I didn't particularly understand that. But if you read the article and understand what what that means, then please do tell me I yeah, if you once you see it on my Twitter, if you're able to tell me what blockchain innovation is, I'll be most grateful. Um, I thought that blockchains were something to do with cryptocurrency. But uh, I don't know if we should be teaching children how to use that, although they probably already know. So yeah, so there are lots of uh, trends there that um, definitely I think are going to be part of our lives going forward as teachers. And I think that uh, we need to to make sure we we embrace them, but are also mindful that you know we we do still have a job to do, whether we are facilitators or or not. So uh, be interested to know what you think of that. Should you should you take the time to read it? So I think that uh, that is probably a good place to to end things this evening. So I'd like to say first of all thank you to all of you who have listened to my shows since when did I start? Since August, yeah. 
it feels like it feels like it was yesterday that time has gone so fast um i've loved my time with you uh and i can't wait to be back next year hopefully with a a variety of gripping subject matter uh and if you if there is something that you'd like to hear me talk about or any of our hosts talk about do let us know we're always uh, open to ideas uh, i definitely am as i'm running a little bit dry on things uh, uh going into the new year but i'm hoping that with the, the holiday break that it will get the the creative the creativity there you go the creativity going again but uh in the meantime uh what i want to say to all teachers is again well done you got there keep going it's okay we have each other fight the good fight because that's what we're doing we are we're, we're we're in it together we're here to support each other um i know it sounds naff but be kind to each other because i know that edgy twitter can sometimes descend into a, a bit of a mess i think we've 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 sort of alluded to that before but yeah just you know we we're all doing the same thing we're, we all as teachers have to have the same goal so let's let's help each other out and finally Merry Christmas or Merry Holidays, whatever you celebrate. Have a lovely time. Uh, enjoy your time off. Relax. Eat lots. Um, and I will speak to you in the new year. Have a very happy new year. Um, unfortunately, there is no Libby following me tonight, so I don't get to big up her show. But wherever you are, Libby, I hope you're having a lovely time. And uh, I'll be doing your, your promotional work in the new year for you. But yeah, this has been great. Um, uh, yeah, I, I really don't have anything else to add. So I'm not I'm going to stop trying to. I'm going to go and order some dumplings for dinner. So yeah, stay excellent, everyone, and see you in January. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.